Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Healing Voices, a podcast all about holistic approaches to health and well-being, exploring questions like what is health, why do people get ill, and how do people heal. My name is Jamie Griffiths, I'm an holistic massage therapist living and working in Hackney. This episode features a conversation with Lynette Brown. Lynette is a mother, an energy healer, a podcaster, a massage therapist in training, and she's the creator of her own range of healing products. The conversation with Lynette touches on starting life as a resident of Chatsworth Road, growing up with a love of dance and performing arts, being a second generation immigrant, studying psychotherapy and counseling, becoming a mum at the age of 22, leaving the Catholic religion for a less dogmatic spirituality, curiosity and being an independent researcher, parenting, openness and boundary setting, the death of Lynette's father and how that catalyzed a shift from working in the corporate world to reconnecting with her gifts for healing, intuition and being a conduit for healing energy, and Lynette's new range of bath salts and loose incense. Now the audio quality on this recording is not great, I'm afraid. There's some electrical interference that cuts in about halfway through, and comes and goes, but um, if you're listening on headphones, it might get a bit annoying. But please do bear with the conversation because it's a really good one. Um, it was recorded at Healing Space on November the 22nd, 2022, and here it is. Well, I'm here in Pink Room uh, in Healing Space on Chatsworth Road. I'm joined this morning by Lynette, who is a Reiki practitioner. Reiki practitioner? How do you say it? Is it Reiki or Reiki? Reiki. Reiki. Yeah, Reiki. Is a Reiki practitioner at Healing Space. Um, And, well, I'll let you... I'll let you introduce yourself, Lynette. Yeah. Thank you for having me, first of all. Oh, thanks for coming on. Really um, lovely to be part of this, part of your space and your podcast. Um, So, yeah, I'm a Reiki practitioner here at Healing Space. And outside of that, so I'm freelance. Um, As and when I get a client, I'm here. Outside of that, I'm a mother of two, 11 going on 12. Mm-hmm. Just turn, and then another one just turned seven, two boys. Many people look at me and think, how the hell do you have a secondary school boy? Like, how old are you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm blessed, blessed and cursed with the genes of just looking like a baby. Both my parents looked very young. Right. Um, so I'm 34, going on 35. And I live at home with my two boys, my partner. I've recently moved back in with my mum. It's um, it's a beautiful challenge, right. challengingly beautiful, I should say. After my dad passed last year, very suddenly, it was just her in a big house. <clears throat> excuse me, in a big house, and at the time she was like going through a few things, like medically. So we mm-hmm. thought it's only best that we move in temporarily, just to look after her and keep her distracted. We should say, okay, because you know her and my dad were super, 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 super close, and now it's just her. Right. So yeah, so we have a very busy home. Everyone's coming and going. Um, I was actually raised Catholic, 
Okay. Um, I have a very Catholic background. Mm-hmm. My mum is deeply Catholic. Okay. She's practically one of the concrete um, bricks of the church. Right. Very close with the priest. Everyone knows her. Um, I do not practice. I want to say I like um, consciously and subconsciously removed myself okay. from the faith of Catholicism. Um, just by just by pure research, it's, I'd say about eleven years now when I was pregnant with my first. Okay, so well, oh, like early twenties. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was twenty-two when I had my first, and um, yeah, it's just I'm someone who I'm all or nothing at times. If when it comes to faith, I have to truly believe in every aspect of that thing before I can claim it. Mm. Um, and I sort of veered more towards quote-unquote spirituality mm-hmm. which you know if to me i think and we're all born spiritual and we're having a human experience right right just my opinion just mm-hmm. my take on things and i do not have any issue with anyone my, my mama i live with my mom who's deeply catholic i let her do her thing she's learned to let me do my thing um i actually come from as well a very um, deeply rooted mixture of Catholic, Catholic background, so my grandparents, Catholic background, Church of England background, and African spiritual, deep rooted okay. ways. Um, so that can be quite conflicting at times. Right. Okay. Um, in terms of where I stand and what I believe in, but I just I like to keep things very simple. Um, I don't think there needs to be that many rules in the world. Okay. Just love others to the degree that you can understand how to love someone. Do no harm unnecessarily. Um, and I just don't think life should be that deep and have so many unnecessary for me rules. Oh, it's like, do- like dogma. Doctrines yeah, and yeah, dogmas yeah. and I'm like, oh God, it's just too much. Okay. You know, yesterday I was in church with my mum and... She um, asked me to attend, so I did, because they were saying a mass for my dad. Okay. Um, the mass was in memory of him, and so I attended, and, you know, there were so many things, and I was like, oh, Lord, this doesn't make sense to me, but I'm, I'm, I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm, try- I'm learning to have no judgment, um, although not hard, because I am human. Um, we all charge in one way, some way, shape, or form at times. Mm. But I'm fair enough. So yes, I'm a Reiki practitioner, mother <laughs> too, <laughs> a wife, a daughter. Um, I have passions in psychotherapy. Um, right. I studied psychotherapy at uni for some time, and I put that on pause a few years ago. Um, whilst I was working full time in the corporate field, um, I had plans to go back to finish that later on. <clears throat> just at least to have the qualification I think it's a very useful skill to have uh, the skills of counselling and psychotherapy I think whether you go ahead and pursue it as a career or not I just personally think it's for me quite a useful skill to have especially working with people mm. understanding the skill and the art of listening and actively listening Yeah. not just listening to respond uh, which is something a lot of us do, even me sometimes with my children. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's perfect. They're, they're saying something, I'm like, yeah, okay, get to it, yeah, okay. So you're saying X, Y, Z, yes, okay, great. So, um, yeah, I also was a dancer at one point in time <clears throat> before my 
first son. And that was something I really wanted to pursue in my late teens, early 20s. I practiced or trained rather in ballet. It was my first dance <clears throat> training okay. that I started. I started quite late. I started when I was about 11. Oh, right. Okay. Um, and that was off of somebody who spotted me trampolining one day. Right. <laughs> and she said, oh, have you considered ballet? And I was like, no, I doesn't know. She said, yeah, go for it. I thought, okay. Found a ballet class. My parents paid for it. I was there for a good few years. And then I did ballet and tap. And then I moved on to contemporary jazz and hip hop and African styles. <clears throat> so yeah, I'm one of those that put my fingers in a lot of things. Right, yeah. A lot, a lot of, of different kind of trajectories. Yeah. Kind of spinning off this. A lot. But like taking it back, because um, I'm wondering like, uh, where, where is this all happening? Which part of London are you kind of from? Because I know you've got a connection with Chatsworth Road, like prior to working at Healing Space, right? So what's... Um, yeah, where did you where, where were you born and where did your family kind of live? So my parents both were born and raised in Sierra Leone in West Africa. Oh, okay. And they migrated to the UK in their early twenties. My mum came first. She was about 21, 22 to study French because she was very good at French back home in Sierra Leone. Um, she came from an affluent family and she was studying French at the time and she wanted to pursue that. So she came, then my dad followed shortly after. And when they came, um, the first time they lived together was Chatsworth Road, right. which is just two doors down. Wow. I think at the time, I can't remember what she said it was, either a butcher's or... Chatsworth Road, according to my mum, didn't look how it looks now. No. Yeah, I mean, that's the world <laughs> we live in today. Like, nothing stays the same. Um, so, yeah, she was pregnant with me there. I was born in Homerton Hospital. They lived there very shortly when I was born. And then we moved to Stamford Hill, Stock Newington. Okay, yeah. Um, Stamford Hill Estate, to be precise. So I lived there for about seven years. And then my dad bought a place in Tottenham. Mm -hmm. So N15, St. Anne's Road area. And then we lived there for 26 plus years. Okay. But I was always back and forth because my mum bought the place in... Um, Stamford Hill. Yeah. So she had a flat in Stamford Hill. My dad had a home in Tottenham, but we all lived in Tottenham. So, I was, but my home, my heart has always been with Hackney. For some reason, Hackney just keeps pulling me back. Yeah. It doesn't matter where I go, Hackney finds a way to bring me back. And I do, at the core of Hackney, there's an energy that I just love about it. Mm. I don't know if it's the creativity, the community feeling that I just don't yet feel in, in Tottenham. Um, so, yeah, that's sort of where I've lived, where I've been in terms of area in London. So I've always been in London, always been in North London, North and East London. Right. Yeah. Okay. Went to school in secondary school in Palmer's Green, St. Thomas More. Right. Which okay. was a Catholic, it is a Catholic school. Catholic school. Yeah. 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 And okay. then, then I took myself out. Everyone stayed, many people stayed at the sixth form there. I wanted to get out. So I went to a sixth form in, um, Northwest London, so it's called Le Swap. It's a consortium of four secondary schools which have six forms within them. Okay. So I was based in uh, Tufnell Park, Hacklin Burley, which is predominantly performing arts based, but studied at other schools. So yeah, I've been okay. mainly North London. So you begin to dance then? And then, so after I finished college, I really wanted to pursue performance. Performing arts has always been my thing. I've always been very creative. Yeah. Coming from um, 
a West African background. That's just at the time. Now they're becoming a lot more liberal. Now that they have grandkids, I see them encouraging them with all of this. But right. with my generation, that wasn't encouraged. Okay. Um, just I think it, it was mainly for I understand I understand it now. I didn't understand it then. Okay. I, I had a lot of resentment then. I understand it now. You know them coming from migrating from, you know, one country to another and already having faced a lot of discrimination, a lot of blockages and having to fight for things they just wanted the best for us right mm. so the best for us is what they knew they didn't know they don't they're not the digital age where kids nowadays want to be youtubers and yeah. making so much money and you know wanting to be anything to do with the media you know um it was more so jobs like you know you work in the bank you work like any sort of steady job that brings in regular income they were happy with so when they knew i was um, wanting to pursue anything in the world of psychology because like I said I have a passion in um, psychology and psychotherapy and my dad was like yes because at the time I wanted to be a clinical therapist mm. I went from wanting to be a dancer they were like they shut that down absolutely not oh okay we're, 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 what are we going to tell our family that you're a dancer like where how are you going to bring money like that's not a thing um so then I thought okay well I'm also interested in psychology so I pursued psychology after sixth form went to study it at uni quickly realized psychology is not what I want to study it was very theoretical based very scientific based and then I quickly discovered oh there's counselling right. um, as a degree and so hand in hand whilst I was dancing I was studying counselling as well and then of course at 22 found out I was pregnant with my partner we'd been mm -hmm. together about six years at the time uh, still going strong and I was like oh okay then well this is my life now Hmm. put all of the creativity to one side in fact I, I shut I locked the door to that and focused on being a mum right gave my all to to my son and yeah that's sort of my young stages okay how that sort of weaved its way through and so you said at the same time as like you were pregnant with your first mm -hmm. son that you that was the time you were kind of moving away from Catholicism as well is that right? Yes. So, that is when... What, so what prompted that? I don't was know. It getting, was it being pregnant? I, I don't think it was the essence of being pregnant. It wasn't being pregnant that prompted it. Mm -hmm. There was something, the energy of carrying my son, I can't explain it into words. Mm. That just I've always been a researcher. That's something, as, mo as well as I'm a nurturer, a researcher, I'm very good at. Um anything I want to know I'm always a why person my mum says from I started talking at 10 months and she used to get so irritated because my why but why <laughs> Lynette, but why Lynette, but why that would all and I'm still like that to this day I need to understand but why mm. why if it doesn't make sense to me I need to find out why and if you can't tell me I'm going to research I'm going to do all the research I can whether it's in books in the libraries on the internet when Google was you know, you could search anything back then. Yeah, now Google yeah. was very censored. Yeah. Um, and I just dived into research. And it, you, you go down the rabbit hole. Sometimes yeah. it leads you astray. Yeah. And you, you go down a, a rabbit hole that's just full of nonsense. Yeah. But for the most part, I was able to put things together and realise, oh, okay, um, this, is, this isn't for me. I'm, I'm happy I went through this rite of passage. You know, mm -hmm. I had my own communion, my confirmation 
I was a server at church, so you know the people, the young people that um, help the priest with the defense. Oh, okay, yeah. I did that for many years. I was very much involved in the church. Right, yeah. I was um girl, girl guides, yeah, which was part of the church. <clears throat> did that for a few years. And, yeah, it was just a range of research and just a few things that did sit well with me and who I am and my values and how I view the world and... I thought, okay, it wasn't an active, mom, I've decided I'm not going to church anymore. It wasn't like that. I just slowly, quietly started going less and less and less. And there were a lot of battles because my mom wanted me, for example, to baptize my children. Right. Um, yeah. And again, it didn't make sense to me. I know for some people it's like, but what does it make sense? Like my dad couldn't understand, but what does it make sense? So I would ask him like, okay, give me a, like three good reasons why a child needs to be baptised. It's just tradition. Yeah, but why? <laughs> just being tradition isn't enough for me. Right. I need tangible, even if it's like, you know, uh, metaphysical or like esoteric answers, I need something that explains. So are we saying that if I baptise them, they are just automatically exempt from all harm? Because if, right, if that's yeah. the case, 100%, who wouldn't want to do that? Absolutely I will, but they are not. Are we saying children are born in sin? I don't believe that. I mean, maybe to a degree, I don't know where I stand with that, but mm. but sin is a part of being human. Mm. That's how you learn. That's how you figure the, the world around you out. You make your mistake or you learn your lesson, whatever, however way you want to see it. They just can't give me a good reason. And the laying of hands from, which is ironic because I'm a Reiki therapist, from someone I didn't know or I didn't know the background of and for a baby who's so yeah, innocent. I just yeah. couldn't amalgamate a good reason. Yeah. And so I decided not to. To this day, she still says, I'm going to take them to church and I'm going to get them baptised. <laughs> I'm like, you can try without the mum, that's fine. <laughs> you do whatever makes you feel happy. Um, but I always said, you know, when they grow up, should they decide that they want to go down the Catholic faith, fine I would never stop them I'm happy for them to grow up and make their own decision mm -hmm. I haven't forced my views on them either I don't believe that's something I need to do yeah. like I can't force anything on them I just try to raise them in a way that's healthy to yeah. have healthier ways that they view the world healthy ways that they view other people how they view themselves yeah um, I find that a tricky balance sometimes like it's because you want to like it's you want to give them like enough options that they can kind of find their own path but at the same time they kind of need some yeah. sort of like oh. certainty and boundaries and like they need they want good answers sometimes 100 100 percent. look I, I i make myself sound like i'm oh you know all gentle parenting no 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 whilst we encourage me and their dad encourage them to be very open with their views, their opinions and all of that, there yeah. are still boundaries. Yeah. There are still, you know, that yes, children have to have some sort of like boundaries. They're not just going to say, mom, I'm going. No, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Where are you going? What time are you going to be home? Um, of course, when they get to a certain age. Um, but in terms of like their views on certain things, if they today say, mom, can we go to church? I'll take them to church. I'm not 
totally against I'm not super anti because yeah. they want to I'll happily escort them to church and sit there with them the whole mass or if my mum decides she'll sit in the church that's absolutely fine as long as they want to go that's fine with certain things like religion and other sort of um, I'm going to say man-made um, concepts right yeah I think children yes they're children they're also very intelligent they also are very in tune sometimes more in tune I believe than the adults yeah. as we grow older we start to bear off our connection to source and I think children are very much still rooted in that connection to source of course the environment around them can tame that can no, no parent is perfect even a gentle parenting or whatever parenting like there's always going to be something that's going to affect a child because every child comes with different personalities different ways of being different temperament one thing isn't going to work for that that other sibling despite coming from the same home yeah so yeah i agree with you that it is very hard to find that balance yeah. extremely hard but yeah and i find it like there's something akin to like the grieving process at that happens for me in terms of like handing like you hand your children over to the world mm. you know like then they become they go to school mm. and they start getting all these ideas mm-hmm. like poured into them and they absorb them mm-hmm. but then they move further away from you and from childhood mm. and from being you know your babies and there's kind of there's a grief there isn't there one thousand percent when i dropped the first day my son started secondary school i cried mm-hmm. <laughs> I dropped him off and as I was walking away, I started crying. I was like, oh my God, he's not a baby. He's not, he's just not a baby anymore. He's not that, he's a, he's a, he's a grown boy. Like he's going to be coming home by himself now. Yeah. He's going to be going to school by himself. Like I, I don't want to be a helicopter parent as much as I'm very protective. I don't want to be a helicopter parent where I'm stunting his growth and I'm dropping him everywhere and I'm no you can't go here you can't do this because I want you safe like I have to find that Mm. fine balance which in itself is super hard but I'm finding ways to I'm not perfect at it but I'm finding ways to manage it so yeah it is very hard especially now that he's in secondary school he's getting laptop out he's doing all these 50 million pieces of homework for each subject he's going to school he's speaking to different sorts of um, groups of children I have a lingo that he comes out with now, like bro and all of this, and I'm like, oh my god, he's not a baby anymore. Like he's not just D'Angelo at home, only seeing the world around him, his little primary school friends, and he's yeah. mixed with up to eighteen year olds. Do you, you get what I mean? Because obviously yeah. secondary school is yeah, yeah. sixth form, so yeah, it's very, very tough. But just take it day by day. <laughs> <laughs> Every day, Zed and I are having like these sort of conversations, like wow. Like, this is actually happening. Right. Like, we have a secondary school boy. He's going to be 13 next year, which essentially is a teenager. Like, 13, yeah. like, he's a teenager. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, um, just to pick up the your story again. So, you're, um, so, you have your first son, then you have your second son four years later. Mm-hmm. And oh. then you move into... The corporate world, is that right? Or no, I actually went in, well, I guess if you want to call banking corporate, I don't know where banking sits, if that's oh, okay. corporate or not. I went into banking when my first son was one. Oh, okay. So I went back to work quite quickly yeah. after my first son was born when he was eight months. I was mm. so desperate to prove to the world that I wasn't a young, useless mum. Right. I think because I was raised in, um, so 
during that time, like I said, I moved out of Hackney when I was seven, lived in Tottenham. And Tottenham then, probably still now, has uh, an, a culture and a, and a notion around it. Um, and being a young, <clears throat> young African woman, I didn't want to be seen as someone who was just gonna be, I don't know, maybe I put this on myself, but at the same time, I know I, I didn't because that's just what I witnessed where people automatically assume if you're not an older mum mm. and you're a young mum, when especially being a black young mum, mm. and you know, my partner's always worked. So there were many times where I was by myself, walking with the kids to, to school or, you know, walking with the pushchair. And I imagine I'm 34. Someone thought I was 20 mm. last week. Right. So imagine how I looked when I was 22. Yeah, yeah. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. I've, I've seen mature mums complain or feel bad that, oh my God, I want my partner with me, let alone me at 22. Yeah. People probably thought I was 16 or I, I don't know. Um, that's for sure. And so I propelled myself into work when he was eight months. Um, I look back and I'm like, why did I do that? That was absolutely horrendous. Like, who does that? But I did. Um, and I went back to work. I worked in a retail for some time. And then a year later, I worked in the bank. Okay. So I did banking for a couple of years with him. And then shortly after that, my second was born. And then I went back to uni okay. to do um, counselling. Yeah. And then I realised, well, I'm trying to juggle too many things at once. Yeah. I have two children under the age of five. I'm doing uni full-time, which was quite intense, all the assignments and everything. At the time, my mental health wasn't in a good space. I think, I think undiagnosed, I was struggling with postnatal depression, mm-hmm. um, but it was undiagnosed. I never really uh, spoke to anyone about it until some time after. And so I dropped uni. Um, and when my second was born, I decided, okay, I went to work when your brother was eight months. I'm not going to do that with you. So I became a full-time mum for, for the first two years of my second-born's uh, life. I stayed home, which I really enjoyed. <laughs> Strangely enough, I really enjoyed because I've always been someone who enjoys working, who enjoys doing something. I've always been quite ambitious, maybe too ambitious at times, and set too much of a high expectation for myself, and then I can't meet it, and then it... Right, yeah. It, it's a, just a dangerous cycle. Um, so during that time, I really enjoyed raising my second. Um, and then when he turned two and he could go to nursery, then I went back to work. So it was at that time I started working in the corporate field, which was management consulting. Okay. Um, it was a, it's a very massive, it's a huge company. So they focus mainly on digital business transformation. Right. And the biggest sector that they have is financial, um, the financial sector. FS. Um, they have a range of other sectors, retail, telecommunications. So they pretty much predominantly work with all the major banks around the world, all your major retailers around the world, whether it's Tesco, say, wherever, just helping them to become more digital, to transform right. in a digital aspect. So it's management consulting, business consulting. I know, even talking about it now, I'm like, no, no, Well, this is the world I've come from as well. <laughs> oh, okay, like, that's why I was smiling. This could turn into a podcast about digital transformation. Oh, and, right. And then, like, it's kind of bending my mind a little bit. Um. Right, so you get it then. So, I, so, you know, the company comprised of, you have the internal teams, which I was a part of, and then you have the external team. The external teams, you have program managers, you have 
yeah, the technology sector, which is the front end developers. You get yeah, 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 yeah. I get, I get, I get. Um, but I was part of the internal team, so HR. Right. Um, okay. But learning development a bit more softer. Okay. Okay. Um. So I um I looked after coordination for all the training for UK, so EMEA. Yeah. EMEA, which comprised of Europe, um, all the countries in Europe, UK. Um, so I worked hand in hand with North America, as and sometimes I would coordinate training for, on a bigger scale. So like agile training, for example. Yeah. That was like yeah. one of the biggest training that we had. Um training people to become um like self-organizing teams yeah yeah yeah. so very demanding yeah fun in terms of the culture of the workplace right yeah because it was very techy yeah you know those tech digital companies you have meetings and there's there's pizzas there's ice cream there's alcohol there's all sorts it was very strange to me i was like well i came from banking where everything was very strict right very like linear and I've come into this world where it's like you know you can work from the cloud if you wanted to that was very new to me yeah right if you if you couldn't make it to work that's fine you've got your laptop log on and get your work done yeah so I did that for a few years and then my dad passed and then I was like nope not doing this mm-hmm. not doing this something has to give I, my children can't give <laughs> yeah my mental health is gonna is I'm, I'm gonna lose it like I'm, I'm gonna have a breakdown um, and so something had to give and it had to be my, my job so what was the tension was it like you felt like you you were there was part of yourself that you weren't kind of meeting the needs of or was it just disaffection with the corporate world or combination of the two or something else what pulled you away the job after COVID and during COVID, was because it became quite demanding on our team, the mm. team that was a part of learning and development. We were very, um, everyone was at home. So everyone yeah. was looking to be trained and upskilled and upskilled in right. something. Yeah. And so whilst it was amazing that, oh my God, finally, learning and development team, everyone wants a piece of us, yeah. it became very demanding, yeah. right? And so enjoyed it the fact that great I can work from home my children are home with me I can see what they're doing you know managing their schoolwork managing me working but then it means I have to join training with my headset and I need silence but they can't be silent because they're at home again that wasn't the driving force I think the main driving force was my dad was a Capricorn so logical hardworking principle man of principle he would go to work even if he had a broken leg he would still turn up to work like right. he didn't understand the concept of i'm gonna take a day off because i'm tired that wasn't in his vocabulary right. he worked for the underground in central london he did that for many years i think from shortly after i was born or after my sister was born and he worked himself to the bone and i saw how his mental health was being affected because of it i've heard a lot of men as well um sort of complain that how working in the underground yes they get 10 weeks off from work but it's very demanding the the traumatic things you see you know people trigger warning but people jumping on train under the train and things like that it's a range of things and men don't talk about their mental health they put work to one side when they get home they're at home right and so when my dad died suddenly suddenly he was getting ready to go to work actually that morning and my mum found him um 
it just really set everything into perspective for me because I'm naturally a free spirit free spirited person like if I could I wouldn't be I'd be traveling all over the place backpacking my kids homeschooling I'd be that sort of mum but that's not really realistic in terms of financial financial gains Mm -hmm. so seeing how my dad worked himself to the bone with the hopes that when he reaches pension age he's going to enjoy his life he's going to enjoy his pension he would have paid off for his mortgage he's going to spend more time with his grandkids more time with his family and that didn't happen i thought what am i doing like what am i actually doing no i can't do this this isn't if i sit with myself yes it's bringing the money yeah i'm very comfortable with what i'm earning in this job and there's room for a lot more progression but am I happy? Like, truly happy? Is this what you want to see yourself doing in 20, 30 years' time? Like, yeah, on paper it looks amazing. Yes, telling people, oh, yeah, I'm working on It sounds fancy, but that's not at the core of me who I am. I've always been into spirituality. I've always been that hippie at heart, always been that person. And I thought, well, if I could live my dream life, what would that be? And prior to that, I I um, completed the first year of Reiki the year before, and with the hopes that I'm going to complete the second year, but not with the hopes that I'm going to leave my job, just with the hopes that actually I'm going to do that on the side. Yeah. And if it picks up, then I'll see where it goes. So when that happened, I thought, yeah, no, I'm not doing this. I handed in my notice, I think, two weeks later, and then a month after that, I was out. Okay. Um, so it's... I tried to go back to work and life goes on. Not every, I'm not expecting anyone to be like, oh, I'm so sorry, bless your dad, that's fine, we're going to take it easy on you. Life goes on, you can imagine. I was the only one that did what I did in my team in terms of coordination. Mm. Therefore, when I'm out, yeah, they're going to have understanding that I'm breathing, I'm, you know, I'm grieving, but shit's going to, like, things are going to shit, like, things are going down the drain. Yeah. And they're trying their best to put every, like, keep everything at bay, but at the same time, they need me back. And I tried to, you know, get back to work. And the amount of things that were coming back, and I thought, yeah, no. If I don't leave, I'm going to be fired because I'm going to do a shit job. (laughs) I'm going to run this down to the ground because mentally I can't handle it all. Like, I need time to finally just stop. Because since I turned, when I turned 16, I went to work. And I haven't stopped, I never stopped working at all. Even when I had my child. I think the only time I stopped working was the two years after my second born. Because I wanted to spend some time with him and not make the same mistake I made with my first. So I thought, I've not actually had a break. Like, I actually haven't had a break. Like, I know it sounds great that, oh, I've always worked, I've worked my way up, but I've not actually had a break. And mentally, I need time to heal. I need time to process my dad passing, to process who I am, where I fit in the world. What do I want to give back? Like, I have so much to give back. It's time that I made that happen. And so that's what made me just realise, actually, no, I can't do this. Like, I actually can't do this. <laughs> yeah. It was fun. The job was fun. The team I was a part of were amazing, amazing group of um, people. I would never take that away, but, yeah. I just realised it just... I'm not going to do what my dad did. I could go tomorrow. Like, what would I turn around and say that I accomplished? For me, yes, on paper I accomplished a lot, but for me, definitely, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was the driving force. My dad passing 
yeah. as a driving force. Not because, not just because, oh, I was grieving and I, you know, couldn't handle it, but just because I was like, yeah, no, there's future wise, there's a future in terms of pension, there's a future in terms of money, there's a future in terms of financial stability, yes. But there's no future in terms of my happiness. Right, yeah. <laughs> my deep happiness. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, like, it's, it seems like, you know, big turning points in your life around kind of birth and death, as obviously they are, you know, that's the nature of, like, birth and death. But, mm. like, yeah. Um, yeah. It seems that, I don't know, something is happening kind of through that kind of or maybe like a reinvention of yourself yes. happening at those key moments so when did you like first hear about Reiki and how what pulled you towards it like what was what was attractive about it or what, why did you feel like it was for you so after my first, I'm, I, again I'm going to keep jumping because yeah, yeah, I, I am I, you know it's interesting you use the word reinventing because I realised yesterday actually God, I'm constantly reinventing myself. Like, can't I just chill? Can I just stop? Just find something and stay there and just do that until I die. So when I was pregnant, when I after I had my first, I was like, oh, I really want to do massage. Like, I really want to just... I've always been a practical person, good with my hands, good with people. Now, that's sort of a good in the community. I was like, oh, I really want to do massage. And I remember speaking to my dad about it, and he was like, what? What the hell is that? What do you, what do you mean, massage? In his mind, it's like, massage is just something you just give to someone in your house. Like, you just, it's not a job. Right, yeah. And then I was like, oh. I remember going to, I can't remember where it was. I feel like it may have been London School of Massage. It was somewhere. I went to, like, a taster day. I was so, like, excited. I was like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to, like, work myself. Blah, blah. And then... I just got put off by his comment and like the way he because I always wanted to prove something I always wanted to make my dad proud so anything he said I'd be like okay fine and go down the opposite of what I actually want to do right um and so I put massage to one side in fact I forgot about it and then I think I don't you know what I can't actually remember what the drive like what drew me to Reiki in terms of it wasn't an actual just a moment it was something that has always been innate in me, like the gift of healing. I've always been, and this isn't something I'd ever be able to claim in the past, but getting to know myself in the last two years has been, no, it's okay, you can claim it. Like I've always been a healer in terms of how my way of being with people, mm. my way of people relating to me. I've always been, crap at it with myself <laughs> but good with helping people find themselves inspiring others in terms of just a simple conversation um being there for others in terms of just the way in, in which i relate to people i've just i've always had a lot of feedback that god i feel better now i've spoken to you oh i feel better now it's like well why can't i do this for myself i seem to be giving mm. it a lot out there but not for myself like what is this am I, am I doing it because I'm going to be liked like what is it why can't I return the favour for myself so I've always been that healing energy and growing up my mum always used to say you're very you've got an intuitive like you since a baby I've always known you've got an intuitive healing energy about you um, she'd say it sporadically here and there 
And then I think one day I was on the internet and Reiki popped up and I was like, oh, what's Reiki? And I researched and I was like, oh, I didn't know you could study this. I thought you just... Had to be... I didn't know it was a thing yeah, that you yeah. went out to study. And I thought, oh, this sounds amazing. But obviously at the time I was still working. So I thought, okay, I can commit to this. It's two days, because I'm very bad at consistency and commitment. It's two days, okay, by then I'll be level one, that's fine. I went to it and I was blown away. I was, I remember whilst being attuned, I burst out into tears. Like, so many interesting, like, things happened that I didn't even realise I could connect to. And the teacher at the time, well, one of the teachers, the main teacher, worked alongside um, Alexandra um, DeAngelis. She's, uh, she owns her own Reiki company called Reiki and Rocks. Okay. Really interesting woman. She approached me during lunchtime and she was like, are you, what did she ask me? She asked me something. Oh, I wish I could remember the word. She asked me if I was an intuitive or an empath. She asked me something and I was like, um, not that I'm, I don't know. Am I? Not that I don't know. Am I? Am I? I'm not that I'm aware of. She was like, Okay, you are. And I was like, am I? What did you, what have you picked up in the one, two days we've been here? Like, it was kind of cool at the same time. I was like, oh, maybe, I don't know, am I? She, oh God, I wish I could remember the word that she asked me. Not clairvoyant. It was something to do with like some sort of spiritual gift. Mm. And I was like, no, I, I don't know, am I? I no, I never have looked into it I've never no one's ever said that she was like okay she's like you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna learn a lot about yourself along the way I was like okay carried on got tuned the second time and I remember bursting like crying and she called me out and I explained to her what was going on and she was like yeah you're very you're very much in tune and you this path you're gonna discover a lot about yourself you're gonna it's gonna it's going to amaze you. And she explained to me her background. And I thought, oh my God, I can relate to this. Okay, so there is, I can go somewhere with this. Like it's not, you have to have been doing, like being in, been in the spiritual world for like all your life and been known as that spiritual person. If that makes sense, like yeah, on social yeah. media, my friends have always known that about me. They've always known that. And she's, that's just her. She's, she's always my partner. She's always that sort of person. But outwardly, in terms of like when you look at me you wouldn't think oh she's i'm not someone to walk around with all the crystals and the like the performative if that makes sense yeah yeah, yeah. so finished the level one and i was like instantly i went home created a website i don't know <laughs> created a website created business cards i was having people at my house every saturday because i was working full-time every saturday was when i could commit right um, just for some practice, for some free Reiki, because yeah, yeah. you can't charge in the first, after the first level. Yeah. And people were coming, people were telling others, like, oh my God, I just had to Reiki, it was amazing. And as I was doing it, things things were coming to me that I used to think, what the hell? Why did that thought just come up? Like, right, yeah. you're just looking for something here. Random things like, you need to listen to them more, or... They're feeling insecure about something like just really random things they're gonna cry soon random things right and i remember telling my partner like babe 
it's gonna sound weird but every time i do reiki something i just hear like this voice coming up and i'm and i, I want to tell them but i'm gonna sound crazy it's like just tell them if it doesn't resonate then it doesn't resonate you never know like you might be helping someone else like, okay fine and then i started sharing and it was always things that they would how do you know that like how could you possibly know that or like oh my god yes like that was my grandma who passed away or random things like that I'm like wow okay this is very interesting and then finish the level one continue practicing just with friends and family had my website where i was like yeah i'm giving free reiki created an instagram page free reiki i was so excited about reiki i don't know what it was i was just like oh my god i found the thing and then I had plans the following year to complete the level two. Again, without thinking I'm going to leave my job at the time, not realising, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, the chain of events would happen. And then, of course, um, my dad passing. And then it was funny because that week he passed, I remember being in the spare room of his house and I was laying there. And I'm, I don't know what it was. I picked up my phone and I booked myself on the level two, the intuitive Reiki, like a range of like reiki courses straight after i'm grieving and i'm looking at reiki trying to propel myself into reiki i think i just needed a distraction i don't know what it was either reiki was calling me or i was needing something to distract me i don't know what it was but oh. i answered the call yeah and then i completed my level two shortly after i think two months after he passed and then i've just carried on since and i took it very seriously i think that's the first thing i've really committed myself to wow reiki if yeah. I'm honest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so it seems like, um, yeah, sorry, the woman, I've forgotten her name, but that she said that you go oh, um, and learn about yeah. yourself. It <laughs> yeah. sounds like that kind of came to, yeah. came to pass. Mm -hmm. right? um, mm -hmm. So how do you, like, how do you interpret that now? Like, what, what's your kind of understanding when, of that? Yeah. I think I'm just... Um, you, get, you have all the clairs. Is it clear cognizant? Yeah. And I've always been someone who intuitively I just know things without there being any evidence. Mm -hmm. And I can't say it because there's no evidence. I'm going to sound crazy. And then it comes to fruition. I'm like, ah, okay. Whether it's knowing something about someone, knowing their way of being, their energetic feel. I, I've just always been that person. I've not been someone who I don't connect with. Well, I say that because things come through when I'm doing a Reiki session, sometimes from people who've already passed on. But I don't know that it's from people who've passed on. It's just, I will hear a voice. Like, it sounds like me. Right, yeah. It's your voice. It's not like an external voice yeah. or a male voice or anything. It sure. just sounds like not me like, talking to myself. Like and I'm Jones. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, stop. This is you talking to yourself. You're looking for something to happen. Like, you need yeah. to relax. But when I do share... And they're like, what? And I'm like, oh, I was really hoping you would say no. I've had a few clients where I've said to them, I actually was secretly hoping you'd say I'm I'm wrong. So I could just convince myself that I'm talking to myself, if that makes mm, sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, so how do I sort of interpret it? I just interpret it as I'm deeply intuitive. Mm. And these aren't things I would have been able to have claimed. I've always been quite scared of claiming certain skills and gifts. I don't know why. Um, I think that just comes from a place of like how the level of my self-worth um, and my self-esteem, if that makes sense. And yeah. you know, like some people can sit here and say, yeah, I am this. Yeah. It will take me a while. But yeah. deep down, I'm like, mm, yeah, 
now I'm like, yeah, no, I am actually very deeply intuitive. I've always been since a baby. Um, Reiki has helped me to really, truly see that. Um, when I see clients, I essentially tell them, look, Reiki isn't coming from me because sometimes people are a bit funny with, you know, seeing a client. I, I've had people say to me, oh, you know, I don't know much about Reiki because a lot of my clients are usually first timers. <laughs> For some reason, a lot, 95% of my clients are people who okay. are first time who have received Reiki for the first time, um, either through reading my biography, like I was really drawn to you, I'd like to see you. Um, I think because I work in a corporate field, they connect with that, so I get a lot of corporate clients coming. Um, But I always tell them Reiki is essentially just universal life force energy. It's in you, it's in me, it's in every um, sentient, you know, being that's breathing whether it's a plant, it's a human, the air, and it's in you, it's in me, it comes from source, whatever you refer to as that source. And if you're atheist, that's fine too. Like it, there's no, there is no judgment in Reiki. And it's not coming from me, it's coming from source. I'm just a conduit to pass that energy to you, if that makes sense, to pass that life force, healing energy to you. So don't be worried because some people are like, what if the Reiki healer is not a nice person? What if I've heard someone say to, say that to me? But what if you know it clashes against it clashes with my religion, and I fully understand that. And it clashes with my Christian faith, and I'm like, well, not to sway you, but Jesus essentially was <laughs> was an energy healer. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much most of the New Testament. Yeah, um, yeah. He's laying on yes, hands. And laying on hands. Yeah, the term Reiki wasn't there, and I understand it because. Yes, I've studied Reiki, but I'm not a fundamentalist in terms of, like I've, I know there are people who are so fundamental with Reiki, very orthodox with Reiki, they're very much, you know, as Susie can say, they're very like, they've got the picture of him and they're very like, you know, and to me I'm like, well no, Reiki's been before, as Susie can say, like the, the, the energy of healing has been there, we all have it in us, source has been there, therefore, if you want to go by the Bible, we've been created in source's image. And I believe that we all have a piece of that source in us, if that makes sense. So, yes, Reiki was coined from, you know, um, Japan. Mm-hmm. But before then, Reiki exists. Like, energy healing existed. Universal life force energy existed. Yeah. That's my, um, which I know many people believe to is my belief so I understand sometimes the word Reiki can throw people off and I do understand that because I don't like I said I get a lot of first timers come to me and after that they're like yes I'm going to see you going forward and um, so sometimes it does throw them off you know but what is Reiki why don't you just say energy healing I'm like you know what I do, I do get it I do understand because I'm not really a fundamentalist when it comes to Reiki mm. I've studied it I have the qualification in it so I can pass this on to people mm-hmm. um, this healing energy but essentially if you're just gifted there are people who are gifted with that healing energy without needing to study Reiki yeah yeah. right and I'm yeah. sure there are many people shamans they didn't go to school yeah for it I know people go to visit shamans now and pay them to you know to receive you know training and all of that but essentially b- 
before that we had the schooling system, there were many people who didn't have, who didn't study these things in books. Yeah. They, they, they learned from elders and it just was passed on. And some people are just naturally born with certain gifts. So I think it's fair to say that I can claim that I am quite intuitive, always have been quite intuitive. No, not every client that I see, something comes through. Sometimes they just need to sleep. Right. <laughs> Sometimes they just need the rest. Yeah. There is nothing coming through. It's just they need the rest. And that's that's it. And that's 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 just as important too. Yeah. So, yeah. And so what's the experience of like doing a, a, a regular healing like? I mean, I know you're, you're kind of, sometimes you're receiving sort of like intuitive messages, mm-hmm. but uh, like physically in like an embodied sense what does are you like is it a kind of a visual thing for you or is it do you feel it or is it maybe um maybe mm. i'm asking the wrong question no but... no no um i think both i think it really depends on who mm-hmm. uh, is receiving the reiki uh, sorry the the energy mm. that's present i've had people who i can visually see things excuse me and I've shared with them and they're like oh I'm not sure what that means and then later on they've messaged me to say oh my god that thing that you could see that we couldn't decipher here it is and sometimes it's just I'm actually I have really bad um, blood circulation I'm always cold right so if I feel you now you'll feel that I'm actually very cold my fingertips oh yeah your fingertips are cold when I'm doing Reiki I'm as hot as fire right I have people say because I guess because I studied Reiki during COVID times, we were taught not to put, you know, before you would put, you would cup your hands over their, their eyes when you're uh, on their face. Yeah. But I've just stuck with just placing my hands, hovering my hands over their face, for their third mm-hmm. um, And their ears, I don't cup it on their ears. I just place it over. And their eyes are shut and they always say, oh my God, I could feel some serious heat coming when you got to my ears, oh, wow. when you got to my eyes, when you got to here, when you got to there. I've only had one person say they were absolutely freezing. They were cold. They couldn't explain the level of cold. And I was like, I have been told that that can happen. You're not always going to feel heat. Sometimes it's cold. It really just depends on... It's not everything I can explain. I'm not a... Sure. <laughs> not a freaking psychic or... Um, um, but mostly heat on a physical level. My, I really... I, for some reason, whenever I connect, like once I connect to the energy of sort of um universal life force energy instantly my hands feel warm mm. and then i lay my hands and they often just give me feedback that they feel heat so that's really visually not really not really so much now and again again it really depends on what needs to come through yeah. sometimes nothing at all and that's fine i've learned to accept because i did get a bit egotistical whereby i was expecting every client something to come through right, but when yeah. it wouldn't i'm like oh Am I blocked? Did I not ground myself properly? Did I not meditate before? La, 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 la. Get a bit on the ego um, side. When I ha- and then I have to strip that all away and say, listen, just calm down. It's not about any of that. Just do your usual, just ground. You don't even have to do any fancy meditation before you have a Reiki client. What if you're on the go and something emergency happens and there's no time for all that grounding and saging and whatever yeah. and you just need to perform that reiki right then and then it's not going to make it any less yeah. like strip all that back i've been stripping a lot of things back yeah. stripping a lot of extra bedazzle and faff and just keeping things very simple yeah so 
yeah that's generally the experience often hate yeah and why do people come to you like what 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 um complaints do you see most often or what feedback um oh no i mean no not complaints against you i mean what 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 are people suffering with that they come to you to be healed with um is it a huge range of things yeah i would say a range of things i think because i've put on my profile on healing space um sort of my corporate background i've been getting a lot of people who come from the corporate background so i think for them they understand okay you get it you've been in the corporate world so i don't know what it is about that that makes them resonate with me right um a range of things sometimes people don't say anything they just oh you know they talk about the physical oh, i've had a bad back or i've had a bad knee and then after the session i relay back certain things and then they start saying oh actually yeah, i'm really de- you know i'm going through depression or you know i've been experiencing really bad panic attacks or um it really ranges, it really, really ranges. Bereavement, um, loss, whether that's loss of a person's life or loss of um, a relationship, loss of a job, it really honestly ranges, really, really ranges. Usually emotional, um, their emotional well-being, although even the ones that um, come presenting physical well-being always ends up to be emotional well-being at the end mm. you know they're they're not sure about me at first they're like no yeah. just, I just want to see what this is about some people they just I've had the odd person who I just want to, I just want the experience and that's fine too and if you've come I'll be, I'll be happy to give you that experience and how do you feel after and they love it um, some people don't say anything at all so you never really know what someone's thinking yeah. it's like yeah. thanks and they're gone right um, but a breadth a range of things yeah yeah a range of things generally I think Sometimes people are looking for answers that they already know, that they already have. Um, they just need that certainty from someone else. Yeah. Or that comfort, or just to be heard. If that, that that's what I found. Sometimes mm. people have the answers. They just need that realignment with to get back into themselves because they're all over the place for whatever reason, whether it's job commitments, life commitments, childcare, or whatever the reasons are, or they're going through serious mental um, distress. Sometimes just having that space that we hold for them mm-hmm. is enough yeah. without even having the hands being laid on them. Sometimes it's just this, yeah. just the initial chat before and after, because I always have the initial chat before with my clients and after just to see where they're at give them time to sort of come back to themselves so i often think that sometimes people just want that reassurance that they're okay yeah um and they're going to be okay yeah sometimes actually most of the time yeah i think it's just that human connection that a lot of us are looking for especially since covid well yeah yeah i mean that was a big kind of that enforced kind of separation people I think it's kind of it's left a deep kind of trauma mm-hmm. there like and like there's lots of energy since mm-hmm. like things have come back and I think there's lots of appetite for like people reconnecting but mm-hmm. I think there's something yeah yeah I think the whole like yeah lockdown thing mm-hmm. it's left kind of deep scars mm-hmm. and like I see a lot of people coming I think it's the same sort of thing with massage therapy, right? People come and often they're like, oh, I've got you know, mm. this thing with my mm. shoulder or, you know, oh, I'm feeling pain in my 
whatever. But really, I think mm. like what's driving them there is to come and be in a room and be touched and mm. you know have meaningful contact yeah. with someone and someone yeah. listen to you. Mm. I think like to an extent, I think that service partially used to be like played by like the doctor or the family doctor. Mm. I think that's something mm-hmm. that's like you know mm-hmm. been consigned to mm-hmm. history's dustbin now. Like you go to the, you don't go to the doctor to get listened to anymore. Yeah. You know you yeah. go for a yeah. prescription. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't really know where I'm going with this. No, but I get, I, I get, I get, I, I, just, I, I get exactly. These are the thoughts saying. that kind of yeah. that it prompted in me. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. I think you're hundred percent right, and each and every one of us are seeking that meaningful connection mm. and people often find they prefer it from someone they don't know right yeah. because you don't know their history they, there's no judgment you, you're seeing this person for the first time or the fifth time you, but you see them only in that moment you, you don't follow them home you don't you don't know what their being is like outside of this space and so yeah. sometimes there is that comfort in knowing that you don't know me you don't know anything about me so there is no judgment when I'm telling you something yeah. or I'm sharing something with you or you pick something up and I'm like oh okay well yeah this is what I'm going through so I think for the most part outside of the Reiki people are just looking for that connection and to be like to have that space where they can just be you know often there's this fear of sleeping when people are receiving Reiki yeah. like oh my god they're gonna hear me snore or it's like they don't know me as well like they're letting their sleeping for me when a client comes and they fall asleep that's for me the biggest honor i could receive right honestly i don't need any feedback after that the fact that you slept tells me you completely let your guard down yeah you feel comfortable you feel safe because sometimes when they catch themselves not they are yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've done that many times I will still do that if I go to receive some sort of like therapy or whatever from someone it's like oh my god okay stop that they can hear you sleeping they can hear you snoring that's not cool like oh my god I've let my guard down what's happening are they still there what are right. they doing yeah, yeah. Like, like what is going on so the fact that people allow themselves to just even the most apprehensive of people have allowed themselves even if it's the last 15 minutes to just drift off and I'm like yeah thank you to me I'm like thank you yeah. say, oh thank you I'm like no thank you for trusting me for choosing me because you could have just picked anyone you could have you could have just done the lock of the drawer and said hey yeah I just, I just want Reiki I don't care who it's from which is fine too but if you've chosen me specifically and you've come you've let yourself be like we, you're allowing us to do what we need to do with your eyes shut in a room where it's just two of us. Yeah. Like, that's a big deal. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is kind of an honour, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm just thinking, yeah, I don't, probably don't take enough notice of that. <laughs> but, um... I mean, I can imagine with... Reiki is a very silent thing. Yeah. Which can be even more like, what the fuck is going on? Like, what is going on? My eyes are shut. If I open it, it's going to look rude or I'm going to look like I don't trust yeah. this situation right now. So my eyes are shut. It's completely silent. So I always maintain touch. I think after studying massage, mm. it's really taught me to maintain touch. Mm. So yes, I am laying up the hands. I always ask people, do you want me to lay my hands or do you want me to hover? I always give them that choice. 100% of the time, everyone said, no, it's fine, touch me. I think they think they receive it more if they, if they touch yeah, me, yeah. which is fine, but even a moment where I'm hovering over their eyes or over their ears 
and I'm getting up, I always maintain touch all the way around till I'm going to somewhere else. I think massage really, that's one thing I really took from studying massage. Like, yeah, like that's actually really important <clears throat> because even when I was, <clears throat> excuse me, practicing for my case study, which I still haven't done, by the way, I still haven't finished it. Um, the few that I did, they always gave me feedback that I actually love the fact that you maintained contact mm. because I don't know, I've been places where I'm receiving a massage, they take their hands off to make a pump yeah, yeah. and I don't know where they've, where they've gone and they're yeah. naked and I'm like, what are you doing? Did you get your phone out? I'm like, well, I didn't think about that. So that's really, really useful. Yeah. So the fact that during a Reiki session, which is completely silent, which can be even more daunting for some people, not everybody likes silence you've allowed me to, you've trusted me with your energy, your auric field, whether you believe in it or not, that's fine. You've still trusted me in this space, whether I'm going to your house, you're coming to me to just be. It's, yeah, it's really beautiful. So like put aside Reiki hat, just the fact that you trusted me. I think for me, it's really special. Yeah. Yeah. I find it, like I take it very seriously. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I do. I'm, I don't know if it's sometimes the um, <clears throat> counselling training, right. you know, the whole yes. confidentiality. I've yes, always yes, been that yes. person anyway. Like I've always been very black and white when it comes to someone shares something with me, it stays with me. Especially people like, don't tell anyone. I'm not someone who's going to tell my best friend because mm. I trust my best friends. I mean, mm. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. people always say to me, "Oh my god, like they've told you this, but you're my." And I'm like, "Yeah, but." If they wanted to tell you, they would tell you. Like I take it confidentiality and what is shared in a set. What I've, if I've created a safe space for you, I need to honor that. Because I think nowadays sometimes all we have is our word and our action. Yeah. Um. Sometimes even just our words isn't enough. You need to follow through with our with your action. Again, I'm not super. Um in life in general I'm not very like no 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 black and white but just with that with trusting like someone trusting me in a space that's unknown to them I take it very seriously yeah Reiki hat aside yeah <laughs> and so yeah you so you embarked on massage training but you haven't finished it yet no is that source of pain to you <laughs> studies there's so much yeah it's a lot isn't it i think i'm i'm wondering you know i actually wanted to go and check like just dis disclosure here whether i'm adhd right because i know it's very random my son he's diagnosed adhd and high functional autism and that often comes from sometimes it's hereditary yeah and i've been looking a lot since my dad especially since my dad has passed i moved in with my mum, just watching her way of being my way of being just seeing the connection and a lot of things and wondering thinking hmm because i really have always struggled with doing assignments amazing at them once i do them but getting them done yeah. is super hard yeah. give me all the practical that you can give me i'll do them but sitting down, buckling down and doing the assignments, for some reason, I really struggle with that. Right. So writing up the kind writing of case up. studies. Not yeah. because I'm not capable. Yeah. I'm very yeah, capable. Yeah. I've always been someone who's come out good grades in school. I just have an aversion to it. <laughs> yeah. So it's taken me a very long time to just complete this massage course because I'm really good at doing it. Yeah. 
I've received a lot of really good feedback. I really enjoy doing it. It's just, I can't get over the hurdle of completing the assignments. Right. But, um, but in the meantime, you've developed a range of products. <laughs> yes, I have. I have, exactly. I was just thinking, I can't do that, but I've jumped on you. <laughs> Again, that's practical. That's me using my hands. Like, that's, yeah, yeah. that's not, it's I'm not, not, sitting uh, I'm not sat typing. looking, referring to books yeah. and in saying that I'm doing a lot of that still because there's a lot of like research trying to figure certain things out I've never run a business product business before so there's a lot of learning new things but yeah I have I'm really enjoying it I'm really enjoying it tell us about those yeah I so for myself at home I've always been somebody who has looked into like natural ways of healing Mm. even when the boys have been ill I'll be like the last thing I'll do is give a cow pole when needed don't get me wrong I'm not like crazy about it like everything's natural no we do need antibiotics and things like that however if I can find the natural method I would and so bath salts um healing sort of bath salts and healing sprays and aromatherapy is something I've always been interested in and so it just made sense to me to just why don't I just see where this goes let me just start this and I've received a lot of good feedback making sort of herbal bath salts, mm. um, incense, loose incense. And when I'm creating these blends, I'm creating them with the whole idea of creating specific energy okay. around them. So, for example, the bath salts that I have so far, the blends, there's one for strength and protection. There's one for um, like muscle ease, because I know that's a big thing when people decide to have baths, they just need to just release some tension in the muscle. Created one for sleep, sweet dreams, um, for people to just have a good night's sleep, mm. but also thinking about, you know, people who may have night terrors, who may have like anxiety, who may have some formulated the right sort of herbs, just based on like research that I have, like with books that I have at home. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's same with the incense. Like I've created three blends so far. One for um, a purified home. So whether you've moved into a new home, it was my friend actually said, um, can you make me, no, can you come to my house and do a house blessing? And I was like, oh, I've never done that for someone before. I do it at home all the time. But I've never, no one's ever asked me to go to the house and do a house blessing. Right. So it was from that, I was like, oh, let me make an incense batch out of this. If you've asked for this, there must be many people who would love to have incense where they purify their home whether it's a new home or a home that they already live in because I definitely do that a lot at home me and my mum and so I have a one for home purification that's called blissful home and incense for my mind's gone black uh awaken I've called it awaken and uplift I wanted to call it third eye my okay, mum yeah. was like, um, maybe not. <laughs> not because she's against it, but because she thought it would throw some people off. Right, yeah, sounds a bit too new Right, age, it's a bit, yeah, yeah, so I thought, okay, that's a good... So I just called it Awaken and Uplift. Right. Um, and the whole point of that was to... It's really for, like, awakening your senses, um, the unseen senses. Um, so good for, like, meditation, good for, like, if you just wanted to, like... Cause she was like this when she smelled it she was like i feel uplifted when i smell this it's 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 i could feel like i'm wanting to receive a message but don't call it third eye i was like okay fine and the final one i just made um the other day that one was for mental focus so like if you're studying and you just need that focus mental agility 
Um, so yeah, I'm really enjoying creating the blends, I'm really enjoying looking into the properties of different herbs. Um, and I think that's coming through from my lineage of my grandma on my mum's side. She was a herbalist, like very, very, very strong. Like she could cure everything. Literally, she could cure anything. And she was like the community midwife, even though she never studied midwifery. Right. She was just one of those women in the community that people would go to for anything. Uh, okay. She would know to send someone, go to the forest, get this leaf, get that leaf, get this, formulate a blend and done. Okay. So it just made sense that I was really tapping into that aspect of me, which sort of started a few years ago, just from reading books yeah, and yeah. making my own stuff at home, yeah, like natural yeah. sprays or whatever. And then I thought, do you know what? I feel like there's a need for this. Like people would actually want this. Like I want to give this to people. Mm. And so that's sort of where that has um, come from. Okay. started. And are you selling them to the public yet? I've had a few people buy them because yeah. they're aware that I, I do them, but I haven't um, publicly announced. Like, I have an Instagram for it. Okay. I'm hoping to launch on Etsy. Okay, yeah. I was debating between having my own website via Shopify, okay. but I don't have a large following okay. to just have my own website, and then now I have to start promoting, hey, I have a website. So I thought, start small, start on Etsy. There's a lot of handmade, um, handcrafted products there. That's, like, a good platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then see where it goes after yeah. that. The aim is to... Would really love to have it in sort of um, wholesale, so like have them in shops and like small boutique shops or wherever. So yeah, I'm really, really, really enjoying doing that. Great, Had really good feedback. And so people can find you on Instagram right now. What, yeah. What's the Instagram handle? Um, healing within. Healing within. By LB. By LB. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Great. That's where I can be found for that. Excellent. And yeah. for Ricky, you're just working out of Healing Space? Yes, I yeah. purely work out of Healing Space. Yeah. I did have a website, I did have an Instagram for that, and I thought, nah. It, I just wasn't receiving the traction I thought I would. I, maybe I'm not very good at knowing about SEOs and all of this stuff. Yeah. It's something I'm still figuring out. So I thought, just, I'm happy to just work from Healing Space. Yeah. Um, I have a link tree, which I've di- I've, I have um, a link that directs people to Healing Space. Um, if they want to see me so yeah healing space I love being here yeah it's a good group of it's very easy going it's chill yeah yeah it's really nice yeah yeah really so good it, bunch of people yeah I think it works for me works for how busy I am with the boys it's not like expectation to be here on set days or set hours yeah well <laughs> Lynn Lynette Brown thank you very much for joining me Thank it's been you. a really I've had a lot of fun and um, same yeah I look forward to seeing you around healing space yeah. I encourage people to look up on the website book in for a session um, thank you for having me not at all really appreciate it it's been nice excellent connection That was my conversation with Lynette Brown. Um, So to recap, you can find Lynette on the Healing Space website. That's healingspacehackney.co.uk. And you can also find her products on Etsy. And you can find them on Instagram uh, at healingwithinbylb. Healingwithinbylb.
by LB. Um, and I also discovered uh, on the day that we recorded that conversation that um, Lynette has her own podcast too. Um, I wish I'd known before because I would have liked to have talked to her about it in the interview. But um, give it a listen. It's called Mama's Doing the Work. Mama's Doing the Work. It's on Spotify and all the other podcast places. I've listened to the first three episodes Um Lynette gets very personal, very deep. If you've enjoyed the conversation that you just listened to, then you definitely want to check it out. I particularly enjoyed the second episode where Lynette talks about um, the death of her father and also bringing up her boys and allowing them into her emotional world. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's some moving stuff in there, so definitely check it out. Mama's doing the work. And that's it. Um, I'm still a bit stuffed up with uh, a cold, which I had during the conversation with Annette, and it's kind of dragging on, so I don't want my annoying voice to annoy you too much. I just want to sign off by saying, um, however you are marking the winter solstice, whether you're commemorating the birth of the Messiah, or the death of the sun and its rebirth, or the emergence of light from the deepest darkness. I hope you have a good one. And until we meet again in the year 2023, may you be well.